This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is BetQL Daily with the Joes. Joe Ostrowski and Joe Giglio. Daily right here on the BetQL Network. Joe O, Joe G with you. Lots to get to on the show of Lightning Bets coming up in about 40 minutes from now. Our favorite plays for the day. And we're all watching and waiting to see what happens tonight in the NBA. 6 p.m. Eastern time, free agency opens. Joining us right now to talk about what we know so far, what could be to come. Dan Bespris, the host of Fantasy NBA Today, is joining us on the Roman Guest Line. Dan, welcome back to the show. And we already have something to kind of chew on and, and debate about. And that's the move last night by the uh, Atlanta Hawks, bringing in Murray yeah. San Antonio. What'd Oof, you think? Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, that was, um, you know, when, when the report came out last week that this was something that might happen, I have to admit, I was extremely skeptical and I was extremely wrong. This was a real thing. Uh, we are in prime tank season and we have not oh. even turned the NBA calendar page yet. We're still a day away. I think effectively, or maybe it's later today. I don't know. I'm not that great with the contractual stuff, but yesterday it hadn't happened yet. Uh, and so now as we hit the new NBA financial year, we already have teams tanking. Um, I mean, from a, it makes me think of like the early 2000s Oakland A's where they were like, all right, we got to like get awesome stuff for this dude the moment we can do it. And right now, DeJounte Murray is worth, probably as much as he'll ever be because his contract is low. He was an all-star. He was fantastic. The Spurs look at him and say, all right, you probably get a little bit better. You're great. But if we can get three first rounders, if we can get pick swaps, if we can basically set ourselves up for half a decade of picks with one player, when right now our ceiling is probably play in tournament, we should probably do it. Uh, it still seemed a little bit insane to me. Uh, like, I don't know that I fully understand the uh the fit which everybody else is like this is a perfect fit for atlanta and i'm a little bit skeptical actually because dejounte murray had the basketball in his hands the entire season for san antonio trey young's never not had the basketball in his hands and i know that's an antiquated way of handicapping something to say well there's only one basketball but there's going to be an adjustment period here ultimately it does make atlanta better but it might not make atlanta better until like late december this coming season and for the spurs I don't know that there's a win total low enough for that team right now because they are a guarantee to be in the three worst records of the NBA. They want that 14% at the number one pick this coming off season. And that's what I got on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
tanking was gone, Dan. They told us tanking was over <laughs> in the NBA. Everybody's shooting for the 7-2 point forward in the Euro can League. I, There's no, no doubt about that. Can I throw that. one yeah. more thing out on the yep. tank? So mm-hmm. teams have done, and I don't know if I can register trade. I'll put a little TM next to it as I'm speaking. Uh, the pre-tank, which has been much more common the last couple of years, where teams will actually try to lose a ton of games right at the beginning of the season so that at the end of the year, when everyone's watching for the tank, mm. they're just playing their guys and they're losing a pretty reasonable number of games because they're not a very good team, but they haven't had to full shutdown outside of Oklahoma City. They've gone full shutdown <laughs> each of the last two years. Shea hasn't made it to the end of a season. Last year, they shut down their entire starting five. If you could name one starter on the Thunder from the final two weeks of last year, you are a, a, a king in the NBA circuit. Uh, but you'll see a lot of teams, I think, try to lose a bunch of games in October, November, December, and then they can kind of let it ride. Uh, Houston did it more that way this last season uh, towards the end of this coming year. Uh, but the talent in this coming draft, the number one pick, uh, uh, Yama, that like this is going to drive a lot of teams to say this is a franchise-changing player. If we even have a 14% at this, we'll take it. Yeah. Uh, so football season when people aren't really paying attention that's right <laughs> in november and december exactly yeah, you can call it the football tank too if you like so uh on murray at first blush when you're looking at the landscape of the eastern conference at the moment you pair him with trey young and you're hoping for health hunter collins bogdanovich you got capella dominating inside where do you think they fit where do they fit in the eastern conference landscape you know, I, to be thorough, I'll try to take a quick peek at how many wins the number six seed in the East had last year, just so I know what I'm getting myself into here. But that's kind of where I would probably move them. Uh, they were 43 wins this last year. They kind of clawed into the, the lower half of the play-in and then won it because the Cavs were missing everybody at that point. They were in, the, they were in full free fall. Uh, but as I look at the East... The Heat, the Celtics, the Bucks, the Sixers, the Raptors, the Bulls, those teams are not going to get worse. The Nets probably get better season over season. So how do the Hawks get into that top five? I, I don't know. I mean, you're looking at a team that would have to get up near 50 wins. And with the adjustment period, like if if if, if DeJounte Murray had already been in Atlanta for a year, and these team, these guys had all played together for a while. I'd say this is a team that could get near 50 wins. But I think they're going to lose a bunch of games in October and November. And it's going to be hard to get to that threshold. So they're probably looking at a battle to squeeze out of the play-in tournament. They're probably like a 46-47 win team this coming year. Uh, and they're going to be scrapping with the Raptors and the Bulls and the Nets to be... Uh, they're not going to have home court, I don't think. I don't think they're getting above 51 wins where those top four teams were. So they're going to be hoping to avoid the play-in. They probably do because DeJounte Murray is really good. Uh, and when they figure it out, they're going to be a pretty fun team to watch. But that that adjustment period is always such a critical thing. You're probably going to actually have some value fading superstar movement at the beginning of this coming uh, NBA season on a game-to-game level and then backing it when they start to figure things out. And from a season-long perspective, generally I try to, or at least start with an under on teams that acquire a big-name player that's going to sort of artificially inflate their season win total and then work myself off of that if I think there's a reason to do so.
all in on Jalen Brunson. Uh, they hired his dad. They got the the agents, the GM's son. I mean, the whole thing is. It just feels like this is um this is understood. He's going to end up there, and they moved a lot to get him. Right? They moved cap room out. They traded picks to, to help clear those salaries out. Do you think it's worth it for them? He had a great postseason. He's an ascending player. I like Jalen Brunson. I just wonder about the Knicks. Like, what are they building there? Is Brunson and that core is that an is is it worth it? Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm still sort of juries out for me on this one. I wish I had a really strong opinion on on the Jalen Brunson stuff. I don't fully get how all of it fits together. I know what they're trying to do from a money standpoint. Like we can all see Knicks have very much, like you said, telegraphed what they're trying to put in place. But from a basketball standpoint, I don't know how any of it works until Julius Randle is okay with relinquishing some control of the offense and maybe he's bought in and said he's ready to change his offensive game but he was the preeminent ball stopper in the nba last year and i don't care that he had five assists from a power forward spot that's great but when you're extraordinarily inefficient shooting the basketball it's not really all that helpful it's like great you got five assists just because the guy after you had to shoot a lot of the time during the season so that they're gonna have to move a lot of things around uh, Tibbs is more a defensive presence as a head coach than an offensive one. Uh, Jalen Brunson as a player, like you said, I, I really like it a lot. Like, I think he'll be pretty good in New York from a, a you know, I do a lot of fantasy stuff. I think he's going to be a fantastic fantasy selection because he's going to be responsible for a lot of the offense. But I just, again, I don't, I don't see how it all fits the right way. He had... The, the amount of space he had working in Dallas was absurd. The Knicks are going to have Randall and probably Mitchell Robinson clogging things up for him. It's a little bit confusing just from a, how does this work with what we have right now? From a, how does this work maybe a year or two down the line? I actually like it. Like, I don't mind that they're over they're overpaying for Jalen Brunson a little bit. I think they can build stuff around him as a really efficient offensive player. But this coming season... I'm going to need to see a whole bunch of changes as to how they actually run their offense to believe that this is the thing that's like the magical solution in New York. Um, they will be a little bit better, though. And I don't I'm not sure how, many, how they could be a whole lot worse than 37 and 45, but I do think it makes them a little bit better. Outside of uh, these these names and free agents talking about and, and we'll be talking a lot about 6 p.m. Eastern when things start later today. Outside of these names, do you think there are some big names that could be on the move that would really spice things up this offseason? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't really. I think yeah. we sort of have an idea of who's trying to do what at this point. Uh, the only name, and it's more of a free agent name than anything else, that still seems to be kind of floating out there on destin- destinations unknown is DeAndre Ayton. And that's a guy that could change, I don't want to say the fortunes of a franchise because he's not that kind of player, but he's a guy that changes the trajectory for a team. The one that maybe is, again, like 
I, sh I should probably say it just to make sure that I've said it. Uh, the Jazz. We know that they're trying to move one of their two stars, and it's more than likely going to be Rudy Gobert. I don't know how they bring him back this coming season with the way, with all the rumors and knowing that the chemistry there is a disaster. So that's kind of your one name of a team that's in a little bit of turmoil. They just hired their new head coach. So there's a little bit of good buzz right now. But like, if you look at the top 10, 11 teams in both conferences, there isn't really another obvious team that's trying to change what direction they're moving. Like you can look at the bottom of the East and say, okay, we know which of these teams is trying to win, which of them is trying to lose. So what are they going to do to get to that point? Same deal out West. You probably only have, I don't know, three teams in the Western conference also that are going to be attempting to lose basketball games this year. And then the rest of them are kind of settled in. And the fact that we already know where a couple of the buyout candidates are going it's really, I guess it's just Gobert, which, you know, that one has been talked about for two months at this point, but he's the one, where does he go? That's your big name that probably gets moved. Otherwise, again, you kind of quick scan all the teams and you're like, yeah, these, these teams are all sort of trying to win and their players seem to generally get along with each other. So they probably don't have to move them. Dan, what do you make of the Sixers and, and the plan that seems to be forming here? Second round and out again last year. They're going to run it back. Harden opted out, but everyone seems to know he opted out to sign a longer deal, short, you know, a little less per year to help them out. Seems like now PJ Tucker, perhaps, you know, Daryl Morey wants to get that Houston band back together again with Harden <laughs> and, and uh, Tucker. Do you do you think the Sixers are a team that has another level next year with a full year Harden and Bead, or, or do you wonder what they're doing there? You know, because that I just wonder Harden as he ages here, is this really going to work? Yeah, so Harden's definitely on the downslope. There's sort of no arguing with that. But at the same time, uh, the self-awareness he showed by being willing, what we're hearing at least, to opting or to opting out and then taking a lower value contract to allow the team to bring in his his buddy, be PJ Tucker, and allow the team to surround him with guys. I'll say this, even if it doesn't work out, even if they don't make a championship run, this actually reflects really well on James Harden as a human being in a time, and I'm going to tread very lightly here, where we're seeing some NBA players that lack self-awareness. I think we all know what Dan's talking about right now. Uh, so I like that. I love that they went out and got DeAnthony Melton. He's an extraordinarily underrated player. Uh, I know he's not going to be playing huge minutes and like, orchestrating anything for them but he's a guy that can do a ton he's a monster defensively he's one of the best rebounding guards in the nba he was being underutilized i believe because memphis was just so darn deep they didn't have any other place to put him um but otherwise like you know the sixers are a little bit in run it back mode pj tucker's another guy who's really good at what he does but it's another year on the legs of a dude who's been asked to play about two positions higher than he's probably size-wise, should have been playing most of his career, so the knees are busted, and he's been guarding these seven-foot, 315-pounders. Um, but again, this is another team that I think is at least making the right decisions. Melton's a right decision. Harden taking less to go get a, a defender, a, a, a floor spacer, a corner three-point guy like Tucker. That's a right decision. I actually kind of like it. I, I think they've done good stuff. I you know, th there is that nostalgia element for Daryl Morey, um, but I like what they've done this offseason so far in general. Uh, you're value hunting for NBA futures. Right now at the top, Golden State, 
LA Clippers, Boston, Milwaukee, even Brooklyn. They're kind of on that top tier, pretty much the same odds across the board. Then you'll drop down Phoenix a little, then Dallas, Lakers, Grizzlies, Heat. You find the Mavs in there as well. Is there is there any team that you would buy, or maybe a couple teams that you would buy stock on for NBA futures at the moment? The Nuggets. Uh, I like them a lot. Like the Nuggets a lot. They're getting key players back, um, and I think we all kind of forgot how basically uh, indif. Well, I'm trying to think of the right indefensible is not the right word for this, but not defendable <laughs> they were when they had a Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic pick and roll going. And I know the bubble was a weird time and the Heat made the finals and all that stuff, but the Nuggets were really, really good. And they just dealt with a Lakers team that was a little bit, I mean, a razor thin margin there. Anthony Davis, remember, hit a game winner that sort of tipped that series. The Lakers started to figure things out a little bit more on defense. The refs actually let it let that series get a little bit scrappier and that allowed the Lakers to defend Jamal Murray by beating him up a little bit more, but that team was awesome and they've gotten better around the injury. So it's going to come down, I guess, to whether Jamal Murray has the explosiveness coming back and whether Michael Porter Jr.'s back can actually hold up. I actually, everybody on Twitter is talking about how the Wizards dominated that trade with the Nuggets the other day. I think the fact that Denver got KCP, the guy they wanted, the right fit around Jokic and Murray and Porter. They didn't need Monty Morris, a ball handler. They didn't mm -hmm. need uh, uh, Will Barton to go do inefficient stuff. They got their guy. I think they were a really good value. Great stuff. Dan Bespris, Roman Guest Line. We'll play Nickel or Dime next right here on the Beck UL Network.